0: In each episode, you'll hear a real person sharing their story of loss and the insights they have gained that help them on their journey with grief. At Grief Stories, we're helping grief make sense one story at a time. Today, we're speaking with Donna, whose 20-year-old son died in an explosion in Afghanistan. Hi, Donna. Welcome to Grief Stories podcast. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing well. Thank you so much for the invitation and opportunity to to speak today. Thank you.
0: Thank you for joining us. Uh, can you begin today by telling us your story of
1: loss, please? Sure. Um, it was ten and a half years ago. Uh, seems like yesterday sometimes still. Um, my oldest son, Corey Hayes, uh, was a soldier, a Canadian soldier in the military serving in Afghanistan. On the 20th of March 2009, he ran over an improvised explosive device um, and was killed in the explosion. Um, there was another killed and five others injured in that incident.
0: I'm very sorry to hear that. That must have been a, a very hard time for you.
1: Very difficult. Uh, it, it's a total shock. You you can't believe when you hear things like that, uh, even though I was newly in the military myself at an older age. Um, and understanding the whole you know, uh, put your life on the line for your country kind of idea. Um, it doesn't become real until it really hits home. And that was, um, yeah, it was beyond words. Can you share with
0: us some of the challenges you faced after Corey's death? Some of the things that, um, uh, were difficult for you in coping?
1: Yeah. Um, well, telling his brothers, uh, his younger brothers was, um, was the first uh, thing we had to do. Um, so we actually drove out to the school um, and had the principal call them into the principal's office um, where they were quite surprised to see us and wondering why we were there and not driving our own vehicle. So they, the military took us there. So it was very bizarre for them. And they were, they were like, what are you here?" So that was the first um, difficult thing we had to do and notify all the other family members far and wide. Um, Corey's dad um my first husband lived in nova scotia we were in new brunswick at the time so we had to uh, disperse military personnel he's in the military as well uh to tell him let him know and um basically uh yeah just kind of get our wits about us um the second challenge was media Um, Mm. because it was yeah because it was a public death, and of course, at that time, anything to do with the military combat role in Afghanistan uh, was a hot topic. Unfortunately, there were a lot of these stories, and uh, this was another one. Um, I just wasn't quite prepared for how, um, I wouldn't say relentless, but persistent, uh, the media was with regards to, we need a we need a statement. Well, wh- what do you say? Uh, you know, I don't even... You know, I, I need my feet underneath me first. Um, how am I expected to put something coherent together to tell you about him? Um, right, so, was, so
0: you're you're yeah. having the shock of the news yourself. You have to share it with your other children and um, be part of the process of his dad learning, and then the media presence is sudden and, and persistent.
1: Yeah, yeah, so... Yeah, so that was that. Was, those were the immediate challenges, and uh, then there was the coordination of getting to uh, CFB Trenton uh, to um, be there for the ramp ceremony. And uh, again, um, you know, all these people that you've seen on the news, you know, the Prime Minister, Governor General, Chief of Defence Staff, all the you know, all the who's who in Canadiana history, are suddenly you know. Bowing to you, saying, I'm so sorry. Uh, that that is a surreal event as well.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and, and again, it it really clouds it really clouds the reality of what just happened. And, and we're talking now, you know, you know several days later. Um, so it, it's this constant um, public peering in to our our personal, you know, trying to get get our personal lives in order here. Um, that it, it kept kind of diverting our attention from what we needed to do for our family. Um, so it was, mm-hmm. it was, yeah, it was it was disruptive, but yeah.
2: Yeah,
0: those early days had their own challenges for sure. And uh, the publicity, the public context was uh, a challenge, wasn't it?
1: it? It certainly
0: was. What have you found to be some of the challenges over time? Ten and a half years is, is a fair amount of time. Um, did some of those challenges
1: evolve? Well, they did. Um, you know um, they they um, they they still very much respect um, our family's loss. And through that we are honored at special events, gala dinners, um, monument unveilings, remembrance day services, um, other um, events surrounding military uh, pomp and ceremony. Um, we're still very much invited to remain one of the family, I guess, is, is how I would sort of frame that. Um, so in in essence, it, it's comforting because we're not forgotten. He's not forgotten, mostly. Um, I mean, that's the fear of people who lose loved ones, is that eventually they'll fade into the distance and be forgotten. And in, in some respects, this attention is, is comforting in a way because I know that after I'm gone and everyone else is gone, their names will live on forever.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So one of the yeah. things that's challenging is the public knowledge of it, but it's also one of the things that you find somewhat helpful in terms of that comfort you receive from that.
1: Absolutely. So it's a double-edged blade, really. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. What are some of the mm-hmm. other things that you find help with your grief?
1: Um, sharing the stories. Um, it's, it's the stories of, of Corey and, and his, um, his sense of humor, um, you know, just his quirkiness. He was such a great character. Uh, people loved him for it because he was just out there, you know, he was just so much fun to be around and, uh, it was all about the people. He he didn't care about, you know, having great wealth or nice things, although he did have a nice car.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, you know, um, but that was the extent of it. He was all about, you know, just being with the people. He had a big heart. Mm-hmm. And uh, people haven't forgotten that.
0: Right. So one of the things you find really helpful in coping with his loss is those stories of his life carry on. And people sharing those with you makes um, that burden of his, of the grief easier to carry. Is that uh, what I hear you saying?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And they—they they, I hear them all the time, still, ten and a half years later. So who knows what other stories are still to be heard.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. If you had one thing to think about in terms of the thing that's been maybe the most helpful to you, is there anything in particular that stands out over these ten years?
1: I am no longer in the military, but I am a contractor for the military. And I find being in that environment uh, very supportive and um, very welcoming and most people would find maybe find that strange because to most outsiders who don't work with the military you know may seem it as a you know get the business done it's very heartless uncaring very businesslike uh dangerous um very serious but in retrospect um really in in my perspective it's it's like i'm i'm like you know everybody's mother I'm everybody's friend and um, it, it's not necessarily because of my loss um, it's because of being part of that family at one time so uh, it's a broader family it's a nationwide family um, you know whereas my immediate family of course are, are there loving and supporting um, you know that they're they're away they're they're not here in, in this area so you know I see my other family every day so um, I'm not mixing my family whatsoever. I mean, we're still very much connected. We speak daily. Uh, You know, we always are very close. Um, But it's just a different context, I would think.
0: Right. So it's that sense of an extended family amongst the military, people who understand your loss, people who understand your uh, perspective and who are there as a part of um, uh, a support network that you can rely on.
1: Oh, absolutely. And and that's exactly it. You know, we get it, you know, Mm -hmm. we all get it. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: uh, yeah. And uh, you know, and and I guess in some respects too, the rest of the family um, have grown tired uh, and fatigued about uh, Corey's loss. They, they want to move on as best as they can um, not being constantly reminded about the loss of their brother or son, stepson, and, and I, I get that because I myself am, am getting to the point where I too want to kind of um, move away from that in some ways um, because uh, it's, oh, there's Donna. She lost her son, you know, over in Afghanistan. And I, I kind of want to try to lose that shadow a little bit because it seems to be still a very prominent Uh, part of who I am and I you know in some ways it's probably going to be that way anyway Mm
2: -hmm. Um, so
1: that I've accepted that and you know I kind of I like again I draw comfort from it but at the same time it's prolonged the grief process uh, Mm -hmm. uh, I think Uh, yeah yeah
0: Yeah. your grief has evolved over this past 10 and a half years and it feels like what you're talking about is another evolution of your carrying of this grief
1: is Absolutely. That,
0: yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's a it's a realization that uh, letting go is not forgetting.
0: Mm, they're, they're not the same. No, and that's so important, right? Because sometimes in grief we can cling to things, real not realizing that letting go of some of the painful parts isn't forgetting the love.
1: Absolutely, and and there's a distinctive difference. Um, and, and when you, if you can get to that level, it, it is very liberating, and um, it, it's very uh, clearing, you know, for your head, for your heart, uh, you know, for your life and your goals. Everything is no longer revolving around that loss. It's uh, yes, that was a, a period of time in in our lives, but now we're moving on to new horizons, you know, with the memories, but the good memories, not the uh, the heavy burden of you know, grief and and despair.
0: Mm -hmm. You can feel it shifting and you can feel yourself strengthening what you need to carry it. And then the burden feels lighter. Um, It feels more like something that uh, is comfortable to carry, uh, familiar and uh, yours.
2: Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
1: You know, it's something we'll we'll never totally get rid of. And, you know, in some ways you, you don't want to. But in some ways, you know, some days you wake up and you think, yeah, I do want to.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but the reality is it's a scar that we carry. And, you know, we just have to learn to live with that scar.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, very much so. Um, how would you define grief? What words would you use? What descriptions?
1: A blade to the heart. Mm. Um, definitely, you know, it's, uh, it's soul piercing, life altering, uh, mind boggling um it's just overwhelming totally overwhelming um when when people lose family members all the time there's varying degrees of closeness to those members and um but when it's somebody that is very close because Corey was not just my oldest son we we were pretty good friends like i knew things about my son that you know i don't think mothers really should know (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so we were we were pretty good pals too so it wasn't just losing a son it was losing a good friend as well so that initial
0: that initial feeling of grief was a piercing blade to the heart and I heard you say a minute ago that now it feels more like a scar that you carry
1: absolutely it it does change over time Uh, even though at the time when when things like this happen and are totally overwhelming Uh, you think, oh, this is the end, this, I can't handle this, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, just cling on to all of the positivity that comes your way to all the people who offer their help, you know, allow them to take care of you. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's no shame in that whatsoever. I mean, you know, because I'm sure we are there for others. So Mm -hmm. there's, there's no shame in in accepting some of that for ourselves, regardless of how strong we think we are right Um, yeah and being able
0: to accept that support and help is part of what helps you evolve and move through grief to a place of of uh of uh being able to accept it as it is and and have still purpose and meaning and joy in your life
1: right exactly and uh, that's the thing like after uh, I think it took me a good five years um, to to finally come to any type of coherence in and clarity of thought, uh, making good decisions. You know, up until then it was confusion, loss of concentration, uh, forgetfulness. Um, some days I just totally just spending the day crying, like very, you know, very deep grief. Um, but yes, over time, um, you get tired of that, like your, your body, your mind, your emotions, they get exhausted from carrying this. And you do, I, I see it as kind of like a fork in a road where uh, you just, it's a conscious decision. Am I going to stay in this darkness or am I going to try to reach for the light? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we want, we're, we're intrinsically built to survive. So most of us, you know, I, I would say almost all of us would take the, you know, reaching for the light road. Um, mm-hmm. And there are some, of course, who just, they cannot get past that first day.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Unfortunately.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so what your, your message would be to hold on, to take in the support, let people care for you and to, um, take that time you need until you're ready to search for the light and reach for it again.
1: And you know, that day will come. And sometimes it'll come in a few months, uh, sometimes not so quickly, but it does come. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, and, and um, not feel guilty about taking the road of light. Mm -hmm. Don't don't feel like you're like, you have to, uh, and especially like the longer you stay in the darkness, the harder it is to get out. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's not a race. It's different for everybody. You know, some days, um, you know, some people it's, you know, they, they manage to, like quite quickly. Um, others not mm-hmm. so much. Um, yes. So it, it really is
0: such an individual journey that, that recovery from the initial wounding, the healing towards, um, at the place where it's a scar and moving from that dark, heavy pain to the light. It's such an individual journey, isn't it?
1: Yeah. I'm ten and a half and yeah. half years later. And, uh, there are still, like, I, you know, I still remember this one day. It was a summer day, beautiful sun, uh, warm, gorgeous, you know, windows down. I'm driving down a country road, and I'm thinking, oh, this is such a gorgeous day. And then all of a sudden, the thought comes, that Corey's not here to enjoy it. I had to pull over.
2: <laughs> you know,
1: and, and you know, here it is. This was, like, you know, a couple of years ago, so we're talking eight years. And it was interesting because one thing that I never got was, well, as much as far as closure can go, um, you know, with this whole, all this pomp and circumstance that carries on, um, we never got to see Corey again because of the condition of his remains. I mean, he was in an explosion and, you know, 70% of his body was vaporized. (laughs) <laughs> um, so we, we weren't allowed to, to see him. And I did see photos later of his, the reconstruction that the, um, the, the, funeral directors did. And they did a remarkable job. And I thought, well, why couldn't I have seen him? Like, he looks, you know, he looks like who he is. Right. Um, so that was some closure, but the actual closure never really came until a year ago, uh, actually a year ago. Uh, when somebody inadvertently showed me a colored digital photograph of the accident scene and my son in the mangled wreckage. Mm. So, you know, very gruesome photo, um, as you can imagine. But the comfort that I got from it was incredible. Um, It was like I connected to his final moment.
0: Yeah, and, and I think what my experience for people is, is that Sometimes that's really such an important moment, and if they're prepared for the possibility of what they'll see, that 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 moment is really powerful and important. And sometimes, mm-hmm. well-meaning people take that away from the family members. That ability to have that moment of of um, of truth and and closure, right? Like
1: absolutely, absolutely. So now, with my newfound fame of you know knowing the high and the mighty. <laughs> Um, both within the military and, and whatnot, I have really, uh, really advocated to, to them, you know, if at all possible, let them see a hand, um, you know, um, identify the body in some physical mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, because they need to know, they need to solidify that it's a shock, but it's, it's that instant recognition and something that would have taken a split second took me 10 years
0: yeah and I think if we adequately prepare people, they can have that choice um instead of us other like professionals or or higher ups making that choice for people so
1: you know like moving forward um you know i like my marriage fell apart a year after Corey's death, so I've been you know struggling with that as well and um you know it's it's just this you know that's my next challenge now is to Get over the thought that everybody dies on you, and to go out and find someone new and to get my mind you know out of that funk because when you get jarred so severely, yeah. um, you, know, you lose perspective on that.
0: Well, and grief takes you down many roads that a lot of people are able to avoid,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know you go places mm-hmm. in your with your thoughts and your feelings and your experience that lots of people actually actively work to avoid and you don't have a choice because grief puts you there.
1: Oh man, absolutely. Um, yeah. Cause I just finished taking a course on disenfranchised grief and ambiguous loss. And uh, it, it, it just addresses all of those um, odd issues that, you know, mm-hmm. people experience death in certain ways that are not the usual.
0: And it's, and it's sometimes because, it's one of those um, taboo topics. And uh, it's sometimes because of um, the conditions we put on people in terms of being able to express their emotions and those mm-hmm. kind of things, too, right? So important to help people find their own way through it at their own time. Um, I think one of the things that I've learned is that, you know, a traumatic, sudden, um, unexpected loss or an un- or an expected loss that's traumatic even, can take three to five years to, to process, to come to a place of, of um, being able to function. And, you know, you talked about five years of being kind of in that fog, in that place of deep mm-hmm, pain. Yeah. And, and that really makes sense and resonates for me because of the traumatic nature of, of your loss, right? Um, right. And, and, and our, our three days of bereavement leave... And our, you know, our our imaginary timeline of one year leaves a lot of people out there with their real experience wondering if they're okay. And they are. They're just responding to their own particular loss.
1: And, you know, it, it's one thing I never really had was someone, and I, I didn't go for counseling. I never did. Um, because I never thought there would be anybody out there who could understand what I was going through. Mm-hmm. Um, now that I'm more into that seen of people who are doing pastoral care psychological care uh-huh.
2: um you know
1: people are in those roles because they do have suffered and walk the walk
2: uh-huh. and
1: uh, they can walk with you and, and i didn't know that at the time
2: uh-huh. um, so
1: now i'm i'm all over you know if somebody's suffering you know you have to go speak to someone and i know enough people what they've kind of gone through well you know try talking to this person because they kind of face something similar um yeah. you know or just person knows what you're talking about you know yeah like you that, can have right?
0: them find the right fit the right fit is so very important right um
1: uh, yeah you know one thing I I didn't talk about in in the um in in that uh, recording I don't know if it's relevant or not um is the the fact that right after the traumatic death and then I was on my own a year later there was this sense of I was absolutely inundated with phobias Mm. You know, because I knew how fragile life was, so I was afraid to, to eat by myself yeah. in case I choked to death didn't right. want to walk down the stairs in case I fell and broke my neck didn't want to drive in case I got to an accident. I was absolutely immobilized with
0: fear right right
1: well you because know? because all of a sudden
0: mortality is real and mm-hmm. it also is unpredictable and mm-hmm. um and that it's that recognition that it really is um final and and possible and can happen at any second you're one breath away right and uh (laughs) so so
2: yeah
0: Yeah. so i can totally see where that would lead to the idea of you know phobias rising up for a time um Mm -hmm. because your 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 psychological alarm system is on high Mm -hmm. and you're on high alert looking all the time for for the dangers because the worst danger has just happened.
1: Right, exactly. So, um, you know, and, and in regards to getting comfortable with my own mortality, um, you know, that's one of the reasons why I went to seminary, um, you know, because that my, my faith has now come into focus more sharply. Um, and it took a while because it wasn't until about six years after that I thought about going back to school uh, mm-hmm. I just wanted to keep the old. I just wanted to keep the old hamster wheel going, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it was a subject that I was interested in, and it was an academic exercise. And the things I began to learn there just really grabbed my heart and offered me um, the most hope I think I could have ever gotten anywhere.
2: Right,
0: and that that to me sounds like the next stage in your evolution of carrying this grief.
1: Yeah, just the hope and the joy and, uh, um, you know, the magnificence of the life that we have, regardless mm. of our situation.
0: And the chance to pause and hold that, hold space for that love and that beauty at the same time as we're holding space for the pain.
1: Right, you know, and, and it's, it's, that, um, it's that emotional tension, you know, that, that kind of keeps us on our toes. Um, you know, we make every day count, more so probably than if we hadn't suffered this kind of traumatic loss or deep losses Mm -hmm. Um, you know we appreciate things more we're we're more finely attuned than than we normally would be
0: thank you so much donna for sharing the story of Corey and your your grief journey with us we know that these stories offer hope to people in their time of grieving and and uh, we thank you for your time
1: oh well thank you so much for the opportunity to speak on it and uh, you know i just wish everyone you know joy and light in their life
0: all right thank you Thank you for listening to the Grief Stories podcast. I'm your host, Maureen Pollard. Please remember that grief is universal, but every person's experience of grief is unique. While our interviews are intended to help listeners feel validation and reassurance, we know that this story might be different from your own. Please visit our website, griefstories.org for more stories of hope and healing.